0: Welcome to Montauk. I'm your host, Mason Boudreaux, as always, joined by the one and only Kyle Law. What's up, buddy? Hi. We're in a new studio today, a.k.a. Kyle Law's house. So you might get a, a, a different kind of Montauk today. You, We're recording in the evening in a new place. Uh, we're both very tired. It's been long days all around, so um can't yes. really... This, this actually is everything I'd want for True Romance, just because, I mean, this movie kind of makes you tired at the end of the day. I mean, we're it's true. It's, it. a, um, it's, it,
1: it's, a, it's on the draining side, I would say.
0: Uh, just Emotionally,
1: a, I think. So yeah, true we, love, man. True love's hard to...
0: Hard to grasp, you know? It's yeah. tough. It is. And uh, on that note, we are we are making some changes to the Montauk, as we uh, talked about in yesterday's podcast. We're going to be uh, deep diving a particular filmmaker each week and then also doing just a second random film. Uh, so starting next week on Monday's podcast... Or sorry, Tuesday, yeah, Monday's podcast. Starting next week on Monday's podcast, we'll be deep diving. <laughs> Whatever <the laughs> day it is today. <laughs> we'll be deep diving the, uh, the filmography of Spike Lee, starting with Do the Right Thing. We're going to go five movies deep. We're going to do Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, he got Game, 25th Hour, and Inside Man. So it should be a lot of fun leading up to his next movie. Kind of a fun way for us to just learn about a filmmaker. And w- whenever we actually review the new movie, we're going to be super fucking ready. Maybe too fucking ready for it.
1: Hopefully. We're gonna be something. Somebody's gonna be ready somewhere.
0: Also, we got a couple things to plug. So, Kyle, what you, what you got? So, I got. I've been
1: working all day at the at the bar. Um, Alley Cat's gearing up to uh, to kick off Friday the fifteenth. Uh, we'll be opening up at five. Gonna be going until two. We're doing pretty much normal hours. Uh, no standing room, seating only, and we're rolling out an awesome, exquisite gourmet hot dog menu so be on the lookout for that because um (laughs) nothing says
0: gourmet like hot dogs
1: cocktail bar like hot
0: dogs there it is
1: no offense jim um pdt you're doing great Uh,
0: should i dude you guys ever consider just always no standing i love when bars don't have any standing room i absolutely love that
1: you can't make fucking money that's true that's why i mean that's why people in new york like bartenders in new york they have like three jobs that's very, this is very true. New uh, York, yeah,
0: motherfuckers make hundred grand a year uh, there and still walk dogs on you know. Other but offices. I
1: think me and James and Wiki were actually talking about this last night. Um, maybe it's time that Savannah saw a uh, thirty person table service, fancy New York style cocktail bar in Savannah. It is. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I'm on board with that. I don't know if I'd want to do. You don't want
0: to get a second job, so just other people can have more fun at your bar. You yeah. don't have to work two jobs for that.
1: Um, uh, uh, I mean, the thing of my thing about Savannah would be you can't charge eighteen dollars for a cocktail, no, and have people like, oh, I can't wait to come back and spend another hundred bucks on a date. Yeah, but that's no boost. fun. I do
0: remember it being in New York and going to a bar and getting four cocktails and having you know $110 yeah. a or, like yeah. one hundred and ten dollars tab. Like one of my favorite places up there is
1: <laughs> Attaboy, and it's menuless. In every drink, no matter what you get, it's eighteen bucks. I right. got like a well rum daiquiri, eighteen dollars. I got a twenty-one year old rum old fashioned, eighteen dollars. It's weird. I guess it balances.
0: Never been there. I think I read about it in uh, in Last Call. So yeah, this is now a cocktail podcast. By the yeah. Way. Anyway, so, uh, away from milk washing, am I right? <laughs> I have been trying to clarify some lime juice at home, which I have succeeded at, but I just keep losing half my lime juice when it gets clear, and I got to figure that shit out. Yeah, that's what I'm doing during the uh, quarantine. Now, uh, on the movie side, on Montage Cinema side, we are launching our virtual cinema. is opening this Friday. There we, we have go. Four Heyo. four brand new movies that you can watch. You can uh, stream a, or buy a virtual ticket, if you will, through Montage Cinemas. You can watch uh, Corpus Christi. You can watch Deerskin. You can watch The Booksellers, and you can watch The Wild Goose Lake.
1: Guy, how does that work? Is there like specific show times you just like tune in?
0: Yeah, show times, whatever the fuck you want it to be.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. so you can just like stream it. Just go to
0: yeah, you just go yeah, to montagecinemas.com, there'll be a little button for virtual cinema. Click that, it'll say buy your you'll. It's so weird thing about the virtual cinema is that uh, it's, it's not 100% streamlined, like each individual distribution company has their own method of showing it. So you go to our website, you'll click on the movie, it'll then take you to the website of that distributor that has their own uh streaming format. You can just rent it there and watch it. I'm super stoked about Deerskin. I'll be reviewing that next week. Uh, we'll be... I mean, all these movies I'm super stoked about. Corpus Christi. A um, bunch of really fun movies. So if you haven't seen anything new in a while, you want to watch something a little bit obscure, you want to read some subtitles, because three of those four movies do have subtitles. The fourth is a documentary. Um, something to check out, but it's pretty exciting just because, again, there's nowhere else to watch these movies locally, unless you're on your computer and looking at other theaters around the nation. But why would you do that when you could support Montage?
1: Sport Montage local, man. Always 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 do local stuff always buy local shop local live local work local be local fuck Fucking yeah
0: local well on that note let's uh let's go talk about some true romance okay and uh, we'll get right to it Kyla, it is September 10th, 1993. I am almost born. You are almost three? Uh, Yeah, did close parents, enough. Did your parents take almost three-year-old Kyla to see true romance in the Oh, theaters? no. Yeah, that would have been a weird no. move. Weird um,
1: when I was younger, I do remember specifically seeing a copy of um, – it's relevant, I promise – seeing a copy of uh, Pulp Fiction on our living room table. Okay. And I was like, ooh, it's a movie. And my mom was like, no, you can't watch that. That's <laughs> that's t- it's." It's so vulgar. It's borderline a porno. And I was like, I well, all right.
0: <laughs> I was also man. This is like how how your parents shape what you watch. I think I don't know if I I might have talked about this last week. Like I grew up watching a lot of bad two thousands movies. Yeah. Like I, I I've seen. Four Brothers, which was my favorite movie, up, probably forty-five times. It's not an exaggeration.
1: Oh, I'm I, I I've seen Deep Blue Sea probably three dozen times.
0: Yeah, so it's it happens. And I remember like my mother hated Pulp Fiction. I was like, Oh, what's I heard this about Pulp Fiction? My mom's like, Oh, it's 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 the worst movie I've ever seen. He doesn't even know how to put how to put the movie in order. And it's like, <laughs> in retrospect, it's like, Cool, mom. Like, thanks uh, for setting my movie loving back, you know, fifteen years. Yeah, doing that. Uh, but we're talking True Romance, the uh, again nineteen ninety three film.
1: Quentin Tarantino, so like I told you, my, my anecdote was relevant.
0: So yeah, uh, written by Quentin Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott. I came to this movie for the first time just a few months ago, um, actually. Is it, I'd always heard about it. It's been talked about as one of the best, if not the best, Tarantino movies because he didn't direct it. Now, I don't know. We'll kind of get into how true that is and how much of a grant have been with that. I have opinions on that, yeah. But it's one of those movies, it's not a... It's not a classic, it's a cult classic, but it's almost a little more popular than a cult classic. It sits in a very weird place. It's a movie that you kind of have to seek out, but if you talk to the right people, you'll know how important it is to watch. So, 1993, this movie comes out. Famously, Tony Scott had a choice between two Tarantino scripts to make. He had a choice between True Romance and Reservoir Dogs. He wanted to do both, Quentin said he could only do one, he chose True Romance. Uh, Quentin Tarantino took the money from the True Romance and made Reservoir Dogs with that money. Yeah, you, can, you. Reservoir Dogs was released first, but he, the the transaction went through. He took that True Romance money to make it. Which you can
1: definitely, you can definitely tell. I mean, the whole, aside from the whole Mexican standoff at the end of both of them,
0: right?
1: Yeah, it's, they're they're definitely the same era. Tarantino for sure.
0: Can you imagine what this would have been like if Tarantino directed it, and vice versa? If Reservoir Dogs would have been directed by Tony Scott. Um I know that Clarence,
1: uh Christian Slayer's character in the original script was supposed to die. Yep. Um I I I think it would be uh, this to me this is more of a um it's like a Tarantino action film. Yeah. It's not as dark, it's not as
0: I think it would have been had he directed. It's it. not as, v-
1: it's not as. I'm not gonna say violent because I mean there's violence in there, but it's not as um, gruesome. Is that the word I want to use? It's Kind of like
0: it's tender. That's the way I describe this movie. Is it's a very yeah. really tender film. Yeah. Despite some of the content being kind of fucked up.
1: It's kind of a fast-paced, uh, like edge of your seat love story for the most part. What I, what I would chalk it up to as.
0: And in, in, in regards to the ending, of course, we've already spoiled the movie, and if you're listening to this podcast, you know we do spoilers. In regards to the ending, I actually think. I like morbid endings. I like ambiguous endings. Uh, sounds kind of weird, but I, I think that just is more true to life. I actually really like the choice Tony Scott did to bring him back because you still like when Clarence gets shot in the eye. You think he's dead. He's he's laying motionless on the floor. So you you essentially get that ending. Yeah, I, I remember yeah, watching it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good fucking point.
0: And I remember watching it like for the for the first time, and I'm like, man, like like I was bummed out when Cl- I don't really love the character of Clarence. I don't know if I'm. Let me take that back. I don't love Christian Slater. I would definitely be talking about that throughout this. I'm not a Christian Slater guy by any means, but I was fucking bummed that was like we went on this entire journey and this motherfucker's gonna get shot and die. <laughs> so I still got that effect that Tarantino was going for. And then it's like, Tony Scott's like, you know what, dude? No, we're not. We're not gonna do it like that. We're you know, stand up, Clarence. Get the fuck up. Get out of there. We're gonna we're gonna go on with our lives. Uh, so I like that choice. You know, this movie was originally supposed to be out of sequence as well.
1: Uh, no, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, the original
0: script was Pulp Fiction style. It was not in chronological order. How do you feel about the chronological order thing? Like, How do you feel about Pulp Fiction being not in chronological order?
1: Um, I think it makes for a good... I, I mean, if we're talking about Pulp Fiction specifically, I think it makes for a great... It makes for a very interesting and unique viewing experience. Um, I mean, really, the only... That's the only movie I can really think of that's out of order. I mean, you got like Memento, which is backwards, and like Irreversible, which is backwards. But this is the only movie. Uh, Pulp Fiction is the only movie I can think of that is just randomly sequenced,
0: without it being without probably it being wrong. like a flashbackish type movie. Yeah, like yeah, shape, yeah, yeah. For sure. Was Reservoir Dogs? Is that not? I haven't watched Reservoir Dogs in so long. Is that in sequence? That's in sequence. Okay,
1: cool. Um, I think it starts. I think it starts off with the botched. Robbery, and then it jumps back and tells the story leading up to it.
0: It's just—it's just an interesting topic. I'm very interested to, in what that movie would play like in chronological order. Uh, mm.
1: I want to say there's a, um, there was—it's was probably taken off by now. YouTube had an edit that was, it was re-edited. The scenes were re-edited to be chronologically, um, consistent.
0: I mean, it ends up being just a bunch of short stories. It's very dreamlike. I mean, I think true romance could have been really fun that way too, but I, I think it ends up working better this way. So let's talk about the cast of this movie, Kyle. Law.
1: Dude, un- mad ensemble, mad ensemble.
0: Is this one of the? Gr- is this the greatest cast ever put together besides Christian Slater?
1: Um. I mean that's tough because I mean you got Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, both of which I think this is my favorite role for them. For sure. James Gandolfini. This is probably
0: famously this got putting
1: putting putting, um the Sopranos on the back burner for now, as far as my mental perception goes. James Gandolfini's performance, probably one of my favorite.
0: Very good. And this movie, famously, got him the like this is where the casting director for the Sopranos saw him was romance
1: which i think bronson uh Pin- pinchit some who played one of the i think it was him who played one of the one of the cops one of the Im- detectives mm-hmm. was originally supposed to play james gandolfini's character he wanted to play the cop instead and then recommended james gandolfini for that role
0: that is that is insane how this stuff works out it's like that yeah, that, that, Kimmer, that decision you never lead, fucking see right
1: Which I found out is because uh, Elvis's the Presley estate wouldn't wouldn't, allow it. Yeah, they wouldn't Mm -hmm. give any rights for likeness or his music, so that's why he's credited in the credits as Val Kilmer, right? Mentor,
0: and he also famously like begged to be in this movie. He wanted to play Clarence, but he was too old, and like that Mm -hmm. was just what Tony Scott was like, you know? Because they of course did Top Gun together, which uh, Brad
1: Brad Pitt also requested. To, for that role
0: this is one of my favorite Brad Pitt roles too
1: which is all Brad Pitt it, he was not he was not scripted to be oh, a yeah. stoner he was not scripted to be like that a lot guy lot of improv from Brad Pitt man. yeah Brad this was Pitt's like all Brad Pitt
0: fucking love Brad Pitt man um, and let's let's not even wait to get to it Gary Oldman Gary fucking Oldman in this movie
1: favorite Gary Oldman role hands down
0: this is his this is the best Gary Oldman and I I remember telling you this after I watched it I, I knew the cast but I didn't know any of the character names so I watched the movie I finished it and I'm like I swear they said Gary Oldman's in this fucking movie. And I, I look on IMDb, I'm like, was he in this? Who did he play? And I was like, he played. There's no way he played. And I, I pull up. So goddamn good. And of course, yes, he's playing Draxel the drug dealer. And <laughs> it is insane. He is a white guy who is convinced he's a Rasta. He has some of the best lines in the movie. Just He is very Rasta-ish. Oh, my God. He's in, like, his, in his lingo. He's his, trying so hard. He's um, like, oh, he must have thought it was White Boy Day. It's <laughs> one of the great lines in the movie. His, his character is so...
1: Ah, uh, just that just that teeth sucking. Just uh, It's so good. It's so goddamn good.
0: We just throw in the lamp. what will we'll that in a little bit. It's insane. Goddamn uh, it, Gary Oldman. We, Michael Rappaport, too. Young Michael Rappaport. I
1: honestly only watched this movie because I think you showed me the clip of the the Gary Oldman scene. And I was like, I have to watch this fucking movie.
0: Absolutely. If you haven't seen this movie, and if you don't plan I don't know why you're listening to this, but if you haven't seen this movie and you don't plan on watching it just just youtube this scene just look it up
1: yeah the the drexel interaction scene the sicilian Sicilian scene and uh there was one more that i was thinking of um earlier it's jogged my mind but
0: anything with brad pitt in this film is hysterical
1: there's three like crazy pivotal scenes to me in this movie
0: very tarantino-esque that that's those are the kind of scenes that i feel like would just be completely out of place but it's like But this movie does so well as it goes from fun love story and it has these sequences that are so like intense and serious, like the Sicilian scene and that uh, Drexel Speeby scene. It is masterful filmmaking. It feels almost like it's out of another movie. Both those scenes feel like a little bit too serious, a little too dark for the movie. But Tony Scott does such a great job of just making it flow and making it, I mean, it's this, I'll get into that. When we talk about directing, just the style that he brings this movie and the, the way it contrasts with the content is just is fantastic. Um, kind of going over a little bit more of the the cast. Cinematographer Jeffrey L. Kimball, who did Top Gun. And cinematographer didn't really do too, too much. He did Top Gun with Tony Scott. Did a few other movies, notably Mission Impossible 2, Star Trek Genesis, a bunch of bad 2000s movies. Uh, so that kind of says a lot because this movie is shot very well.
1: I think Mission Impossible 2 is the only Mission Impossible I've ever seen.
0: They're... Uh, they're fun i guess that was it was another one that i watched probably 17 times as a kid i don't don't like
1: i don't like secret agent movies they just don't do it for me
0: i I definitely understand i definitely get that though you gotta watch skyfall still i know you're a sam mendes guy you gotta watch skyfall
1: yeah i I gotta watch i gotta watch skyfall i want to do all of i want to watch all of um
0: daniel craig daniel craig's
1: uh 007 movies i just got i just knocked out casino royale so i got three more to go
0: just wait, the skyfall is going to be a, a very a good treat for you. We can mon talk that one when you die. It's so fucking good. That's fair. Uh, so, this movie, famously not a success. Uh, $12.5 million budget, didn't even break even, only made $12.3 million. It was the 104th highest grossing movie that year. So, really? 104. <laughs> you know what was ahead of it at number 61? Fucking I tell me. Unforgiven, which was released the year Ayy. before. So, Unforgiven. Still on them charts. Unforgiven still uh, God insane. God damn. But, yeah, 104th, which, I mean, if we look at that, let's just put that in perspective. I didn't look this up, so give me a second. 2019, the 104th highest grossing movie was 47 meters down uncaged.
1: I don't even know what the hell that is. All right.
0: So, yeah, that's uh, one of those movies that, I'm sure if you're around in 1993, somebody probably told you about You might have seen it. If it did, you've been seeking it. But it's kind of stayed in that same vein throughout. You know, people talk about the Tarantino films. You hear –
1: Because, like, nobody was really – like these, uh, Tarantino and Tony Scott. Like they didn't really. Well I guess Tony Scott h- had Top Gun at that point, and that Bruce Willis action movie. And all right, so maybe I'm comp- maybe I'm completely wrong in that statement. But neither of them have really done much to establish themselves at that point. If that makes sense.
0: I mean, this would be the the first official studio project that Tarantino was involved with. Again, Reservoir Dogs was released first, but this was this. Came first as far as the making of it, the chronological, chron- chronological. It came first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Tony and Tony Scott himself. Yeah, he had Top Gun, which was his first big hit. But after that, you had Beverly Hills Cop Two, Revenge. Looks like a Kevin Costner. Maybe I've never heard of Days of Thunder. Big one. Oh
1: yeah. Okay. Days of Thunder. Yeah. Robin so so well is racing.
0: The king of ads and film. I'm also not familiar with. And The Last Boy Scout. That was his lead up to. Oh yeah. Last Boy True Scout. Romance. That was that uh,
1: Bruce Willis yep. action flick.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, so he is. He was up there, right? He. I mean, people knew who he was, but it wasn't like people were breaking down the doors to go see Tony Scott movies. His movies are very much led by their stars. I mean, look at these movies: Top Gun, Tom Cruise, Beverly yeah. Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy. Revenge, Kevin Costner. Days of Thunder, Tom, Tom Cruise. Williams. And then True Romance, You have Christian Slater. And Christian Slater at that point, not the Christian Slater that we really know and love today. I mean, he had come off Heathers, of course, 1989. Which I think is his only, like... I mean, Heathers is, was a was a hit back in the day. Heathers was, like, a really big deal. But then even after that, just... Pump up the volume, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So, as, as we know, as I bring up probably every single episode, I'm not a TV watcher. Uh, a lot of people had hyped up Mr. Robot to me, uh, a TV show that he is in and has won an Emmy for. I watched the pilot, and Christian Slater, I could not take him seriously. He was...
1: Oh, I take him way more seriously than goddamn Remy Malik.
0: You're not a fan of Remy Malik, huh?
1: No. You give him an Oscar for songs he didn't even sing.
0: That was a that was not a great Oscar. That was actually Ugh. that was a really really bad. I mean, the, and that the fact that that movie was nominated for Best Picture is absolutely asinine. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I never saw it. Yes, yeah, so, I mean to, to be said, I will never be watching Mister Robot.
1: Yeah, Mister. I, I watched the first season. I dug it. I got into it. I
0: just couldn't. T- I just can't take Christian Slater, <sighs> man. I can't take the way he talks, like his overacting, his like bad Jack Nicholson imp- impersonation. I just doesn't do it for me.
1: I like it because it's uh, he ends up being uh, not the spoiler, but he ends up being a figment of. Um, I forget Remy Malik's character's name, but he's a figment of his Im- like he's imagining him.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, you know? I never knew that. I'd so never it would've, that that would've whole
1: like that. overacting like bleh, cool guy thing kind of makes sense. But uh, I would yeah, I get agree
0: you. he does that. In, I feel like he does that in most of his movies though. Man. Yeah. He's just Patricia Arquette, not the Patricia Arquette we know today either. You know, she's coming off Ethan Frome, Trouble Bound, Trouble Bounds, Inside Monkey's Zetterland, a, a bunch of movies I've never heard of. Doesn't mean they weren't big at the time, but I, I can't say they were huge at the time. So you have these two young stars, and then you have just this this ridiculous cast around them. You've got Dennis Hopper, you've got Christopher Walken, who we didn't even mention talking about the cast. One of my all time favorite all time favorite actors, who comes in for one scene and steals the fucking movie. I mean, he's in probably the most famous scene of the film, and, th- and that Steal says a lot about this movie. Is that the most famous scene of the film has two actors who are barely in the film with Den- yeah. Dennis Hopper, Christopher yeah. Walken. Uh, he has some of the best lines of dialogue in this movie. Insane. You've got Samuel L. Jackson, who is still not the Samuel yeah. Jackson that we know.
1: He's in the movie for like the first five minutes. Yeah, and then that's that's another that. small little cameo. Similar
0: to uh, the Goodfellas we talked about. He's I mean, Samuel Jackson's trajectory is like, again, it's insane that he was in his 40s and just still doing these small roles. It's
1: and now look get him. He Absolutely. gets paid millions of dollars to be in movies as Samuel he's Jackson. He's the highest
0: grossing actor of all time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I know he was. I don't know if he's still yes, so Don't quote me on it, but at one, p- it was. at one point he was. He was
1: Because he doesn't say no to
0: anything. You've got Tom Sizemore, the ultimate 90s action bad guy. You've got Chris Penn, RIP. Just, again, this movie's just loaded and led by these two young up and comers. It's, um, I guess, I hate to say this, it's kind of the equivalent of but Baby Driver now, when you have Jamie Foxx. John Burnenthal, yeah, Kevin John Spacey, Hamm, yeah. John Hamm—all these yeah. guys surrounding Ansel Elgort and <laughs> you know, which that I know you how you feel about that movie, but I I did find comparisons to to this movie. Like I found like Baby Driver's very much feels inspired by True Romance in the sense that it's like this. I wonder this if love story. Uh,
1: I wonder if we would have felt the same way about their performances, their performances being Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, if they weren't supported by all these. Probably, I mean, not at the time, obviously, but these powerhouse actors,
0: right? Yeah, and th- that's a, that's a funny thing about doing this podcast is when we're watching something for the first time, twenty years later. Like you bring your baggage. Yeah, people. Like, it's a little weird. Like when you're watching this in '93, and what's his, uh, when Samuel Jackson's on screen. That's you might write, oh, is that the guy from Do the Right Thing? Is that was that? Is he fucking yeah. Stacks and Goodfellas? I don't know. <laughs> now it's like, wait, is that Samuel Jackson? Oh, tight. Yeah. Oh, Wait, that's it for Samuel Jackson. This movie. That's that's it. It, it is weird how you watch it later. And sometimes, I mean, I think it has a positive effect. You know, what I mean, you go into this movie with all this baggage of Christopher Walken, Christian Slater, everybody in this movie, Brad Pitt specifically, because his career was. I, mean, I watched this after he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Like, I have a very different relationship with Brad Pitt than I would have in nineteen
1: ninety three. I, I I agree. Uh, like, I mean, then again, he was nothing back then.
0: Yeah, so he's coming off of.
1: And I also wanted to look real quick. Um, Samuel L. Jackson has one hundred and ninety actor credits. Insane, that's absurd. Stemming from 2021 back to
0: 1973. Insane, it took, I mean, hey, that you know what that is, though? That's just a great, great story for being persistent and not giving up at something. But like
1: early on, he picked solid roles do the right thing, coming to America, school days. Goodfellas. Like, he picked, like, some good – yeah, Goodfellas. uh, Yeah, right here. Exorcist three Like, he picked some solid movies, and then you hit, like, the late 90s, and he's literally just kind of shakes his head and agrees for everything. I mean, minutes to society. His role in Jurassic Park, you know? I mean –
0: I forgot about Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brad Pitt's coming off – I mean, he was in Thumb and Louise. Outside of that, he's he's really nothing that is – nothing that is relevant now. For sure. And then he comes in has this small role again. I, I'm, I'm sure that was a very different role to watch in 1993 than it is in 2020. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, his his career probably – I mean, he had interviewed the Vampire, but he probably kicked off right there at 7. That was the one that launched him. He had 7 and twel- oh, yeah. 12 months yeah, in yeah. the same year. It's, it's always fun to go back and see where people really took off, where they became who they were.
1: Mm-hmm. And California was before – wait, what year was California?
0: That was just before this. Okay. I think, was, I think that was his project right before. That was his,
1: like, first leading actor role.
0: First bit, yeah, he, I mean, he's on the cover of a couple of these movies, but I can't tell you anything about them. Uh, and I don't know if that's – I mean, let us just let me tell you a couple names that I've never heard of. Oh, yeah, throw them at me. So, sh- The Dark Side of the Sun.
1: Oh, yeah, classic. You've heard of this? It's about space, I think.
0: <laughs> Traveling in search of a cure for a rare skin disease, a man finds freedom and love along the way.
1: Yeah, I don't think he finds it. He dies on the moon. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's a weird fucking image. Uh, Look this up on IMDb (laughs) if you can. Yeah, 1988. He's on the cover. He plays Rick. The good strong name. Now now he's cutting class 1989 film. He plays Dwight. A murderer is loose in a high school in his whodunit movie.
1: That's right. That's right. right. It wasn't Brad Pitt.
0: He didn't do it. Uh, 4.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Not that that means anything at all. He's on the cover though, so there's another one. Happy together, guys. Just just do yourselves a favor. Go on IMDb and look at some of these early Brad Pitt movies. He looks like what's that? uh cartoon Johnny Bravo. He, he literally has Johnny Bravo <laughs> hair. He's on the cover in a bathtub with a girl who's shaving him on the cover of this movie. Whoa. That's right. Get you some. Whoa! All right. So that being said, <laughs> we, we've gone a long way just to yeah, say anyway, that. Uh, Brad Pitt's awesome. A lot of people were in this movie.
1: Oh shit, he was in less than zero. I just no I just saw that. I had no idea he was in less than zero.
0: This is like a great example though of like how we look at all star casts in retrospect because at the time this is not an all-star cast, it's just a regular movie. And oh, to, yeah. To, today uh, yeah. you look back and you're like this is the greatest cast maybe ever assembled and like back in the then it was just It's just weird how fucking movies age, man. And and how they how what they mean changes to us as new generations find them and everything. So I think, Carla, we, we've gone about almost 30 minutes just talking about Nonsense. people and, and, and just some shit in this movie. Let's uh, let's hit our, our brand new updated categories. Yeah, let's do it. First one, hot takes and headlines. So I, I took my approach for hot takes and headlines. I just wanted to, th- th- this movie is, again, very much the style and the way, the tenderness that these people are treated with is very much in contrast to what is actually happening in the movie, the kind of dark shit that's actually going on. So I just wanted to have like a, Three word title, cocaine and puppies. And cocaine and what? Cocaine and puppies.
1: Cocaine and puppies.
0: Just what? Whatever the image you just had, whatever feeling you just had, thinking of those two things together. Not not puppies doing cocaine, but just cocaine and puppies. Just those things in, in the same area. Um, that's what this movie is like to me. That's what it feels like. Is cocaine and puppies. Fair enough. I've never done cocaine, but
1: um, it's a it's a terrible, terrible waste of an experienced Drug don't ever don't ever do cocaine. Cocaine's bad.
0: What was your, your hot take or your headline for your review here?
1: Um, I mean, my headline was uh, – I just had – it was, I mean, perseverance. Yeah. First of all. Um, but being like – because this love story does blossom in there. there. There is that perseverance that comes along towards the end of the movie, which is derailed from the beginning of the movie after falling in love – like immediately which i've harped on this before in these podcasts like i don't i don't know what true love is i don't know what you think true love is so i mean do you it's fine but when i say perseverance it's that initial falling in love the first night is perseverance
0: it's uh yeah i mean definitely these it's kind of like perseverance in its most stupid form like i mean Clarence is not a smart guy. He's very ignorant. Clarence is Clarence is kind of an idiot who just knows what he wants. That's why you can't you can't help but love the guy, even though Christian Slater's playing him. He's just he's you got to admire that he just he's about what he's about. He's he wants to take his woman go to a beach, watch a bunch of movies, live happily ever after yeah. and not have to worry about money. I mean I feel. Like I feel kung fu
1: flicks and put on Elvis records. You know, simple man.
0: I can't say I'm a. Uh, I'm a big. I'm a big clearance fan. I I, I I like where his his head's at there. Yeah. The scene where he's in the elevator and he's got the gun to the guy's head. Mm. And he's screaming at him and the cops are listening and they're dying yeah. laughing. Like I love this. That's that's how you, that's how everybody feels about the movie. Like in the movie, you're watching it, you feel the same way. You're like, this motherfucker is crazy, but he's going for it. He is like, once he is committed to yeah. making this cocaine deal, he'll do anything to get it done. That's Perseverance. I like that. It's yeah,
1: because I mean, he does it all for love, essentially.
0: Cocaine Puppies and Perseverance, the there true romance story. There we go. So our scorecard, we're going to go ahead and rate some stuff, man. Let's do it. So acting, we've talked a lot about the acting, so I don't want to spend too, too much time on it. As an ensemble, for me, I, I gave the acting a 10 out of 10 in this movie.
1: I give it a 9 out of 10.
0: I, I consider going 9.5 just because of Christian Slater, but I, I think... He actually is really good in this movie. Just my dislike for his... The, just the way he speaks just kind of irks me for some reason. But I, I I kept it 10. I just... Again, just two scenes alone. The yeah. Sicilian scene. I
1: give, I give it a 9 out of 10. Only because I don't know what a 10 out of 10... Wh- what movie I would think would be a 10 out of 10 as far as acting goes. I give it a 9 out of 10, yeah.
0: I think everybody who... Everybody is playing their role... Perfectly, it's very true. Everybody is giving one hundred. Nobody is sleeping in their role. Nobody is
1: because I mean, like we talked about, a lot of these actors, a lot of these actresses, a lot of these, a lot of the people in this movie, this is.
0: It's like a launching pad. This for is like a lot their people. first
1: job, more or less.
0: And they're all, in, as, as we find out in their careers, these are all super hardworking. Everyone's super trying to people. earn more roles, and they all give a fuck. Like yeah. that, that's what you can tell this movies. Everybody in it gives a fuck. Yeah. I mean, there's. I can't think of another movie where there's not one person who's kind of fallen to the wayside. So that takes us straight to our...
1: Yeah, I'd like to revisit that at some point. I yeah, I stick with my 9 out of 10, though.
0: Yeah, 9, 10, it's close enough. We're I'm going re-
1: to I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to think about that. Because what is a perfectly acted movie?
0: It's one of those things, I always say when we, um, when we approach a movie, it's like you want to... Not put your ex- not compare it to your expectations. Yeah, but take it for what it is and judge it within itself. And that's why I said that's why I gave it to him. It's like within itself. When I mean, I may not love Christian Slater. He, he is Clarence. <laughs> like that. Like Clarence is fully thought out, realized, and everything he does from the way it's written, the way he's shot, how he delivers his lines. How especially? Oh my God! The, what did it for me? As much as I want to be against him is the scene with Drexel where yeah. he's like, you know, I've
1: kids got balls.
0: Yeah. But he's, he's holding a straight face and you can also tell that he's learned how to be this way from watching movies. Like it doesn't really feel like it's totally him to like go in and be this bold. But like, he's like, I've seen enough movies to know this might work. That's, that's what you get from him. And like,
1: it's very, uh, it's man. very, it's a very, um, innate response. I feel like I feel like it was just. This is what I'm came in here to do, and I'm sticking to it. Let's hope this works out.
0: Yeah, he's a fucking psycho, by the way. Like, d- imagine you go on your birthday, you just, you meet a girl, you decide you fall in love with her, then you decide to go, like, strong arm her pimp. Jesus, and you just wor- your your guy works at a movie store. Uh, you're kind of like a, a loner. That's just that's that's a it's a crazy move, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it, I mean, it's out there.
0: So that's going to take us uh, to Oscars at a cocktail bar ceremony. So talking about this acting, we're going to break down our usual categories, starting with the They Went For It award. Who do you have for They Went For It? This is going to be somebody who man. is doing the absolute most for their role. Yeah, who do you got?
1: Nah, this was a tough one. I, I think
0: – You thought it was tough.
1: I did think it was tough because I think – I mean, like I literally just said everyone at this point in their career was – Trying to crush performances at that point because they none of them really had established careers or roles or, um, or anything like that. But I think I have to go with Gary Oldman.
0: I wrote down Gary Oldman and only Gary Oldman
1: because he was unrecognizable in this movie,
0: doing the absolute most. Yeah, I mean he, I mean unrecognizable the way he's speaking, the way he looks how outlandish his character is and how much he is just embracing it he's
1: just such a good goddamn actor
0: lots lots of oscar winners future oscar winners in this movie so. yes yeah Which absolutely he, does. Oh, i wish is... i would
1: have uh i wish i would have added those up i wish i would have had that stat
0: uh, i just looked through i mean you have patricia arquette you have brad pitt you have uh said gary oldman Christopher Walken, and I assume I'm gonna make the assumption that Dennis Hopper has an Oscar.
1: Uh, he should. I don't know if he does or not.
0: He's been nominated twice, actually. Not, he hasn't okay. taken one home yet. Well, probably never will because he's uh, no longer with this RIP Dennis Hopper.
1: Fuck, right.
0: Great, uh, great like, entourage, I don't understand
1: campaign. why. Have you ever seen Blue Velvet?
0: Uh, no. But I need to. It's, I, I have not taken. I've, since I've become the, the cinephile I am, I have not done the David Lynch dive. I'm uh, saving that.
1: I don't know if you'll be a big David Lynch fan. Uh, I don't think you will.
0: Knowing what I know about David Lynch and myself, I don't think I will. That's why I'm saving it.
1: But his role in fucking Blue Velvet is... Kills it. It's uncomfortable.
0: So here's a book I'd recommend if you love movies to read called... Uh, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the history of Hollywood and all the Dennis, Ho- Dennis Hopper stuff is is fantastic. I mean, we grow to love Dennis Hopper, and even this movie, you just feel so tender towards him. Kind of a fucked up guy. He a, did a lot of fucked up stuff uh, in his in his youth, in his younger days, in like his personal life. Yeah, a lot of fucked up stuff in Dennis Hopper. So interesting. But shout out Dennis Hopper, one of the all time greats.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah.
0: So our next uh, our next okay. category is the Mailman Award for the person who is doing the least for their role somewhat mailing it in this is again with, with everybody going for it i could only pick one person and it was less because of what they did in this movie because i think they did well but just because knowing this person's personality being with this person for 20 plus years i put michael Rappaport.
1: I, I mine was the same yeah because he's just to me he's just michael Rappaport.
0: but what i think is he's he's not doing a lot he's just playing a role but if you know michael Rappaport, if you ever listen to his podcast or interviews like He's a bold motherfucker. Like he is a very specific kind of guy who is kind of super obnoxious, and you either love him or hate him. And like he just, he was very much reserved from his normal personality. That's why I went with him.
1: Yeah. No. Nah, he. He was. He was the same for me.
0: <clears throat> who the fuck is that award?
1: It's fun. Uh, fun. Michael Rapport. Um, fact. He hated the. He's. He's terrified of roller coasters. Yeah. So they had the. They. F- he filmed that roller coaster scene. And they had to go back and refilm more of it. Terrifying. And you can see in the, like if you watch the movie and you pay attention to him, yeah. there's some scenes where he's sitting in the back like wide eyed terrified, and there's some where he's like laughing and like super jovial. That's funny. Uh, when they did the retake, when they, when they went back to the uh, amusement park to refilm it, he uh, ate a handful of Quaaludes.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Which
1: is super impressive considering this was in the '90s, and uh, I wish. I wish I could get it. I wish I could have gotten Quaaludes in the 90s.
0: My only experience of Quaaludes is watching Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Fucking man. Quaaludes. This was, yeah. Quaaludes in 93.
0: <laughs> <laughs> get on your mic. Who the fuck is that award? So this is generally somebody who pops off and is either you don't recognize or somebody who is like doing such a good job in a small role that you have to look them up. There's really no who the fuck is that in this movie because we know everybody.
1: Yeah, I put Samuel Jackson just because I tried to look at it as – like kind of you touched on earlier. Oh, that's the guy from
0: – Right.
1: That's the guy from – oh, that's the – yeah. I don't really, recognize – I, I feel like if I were to watch this movie, I wouldn't have recognized him as Samuel Jackson. He would have been, oh, it's that guy from Goodfellas or –
0: I was I was almost there with you except for I've used him I used him for Goodfellas so I kind of wanted to talk about somebody else in that way because but I would have had I, I had the same exact explanation in Goodfellas and I would have for here so the two one is just Gary Oldman because I literally didn't know that was him yeah I literally I yeah I, watching it I said who the fuck is this yeah. knowing that Gary Oldman was, was knowing going in that Gary Oldman was in this movie I did not make the connection that that was him um, and then my second one is James Gandolfini because I'm sure watching that movie for the first time
1: yeah that's a good one too.
0: You, not a lot of James Gandolfini stuff out there. I mean, his—he was in the last Boy Scout as an uncredited character. He was in A Stranger Among Us and Money for Nothing, so he's in literally four films going into it and not big roles. So.
1: Yeah, true. One of them being a Tony Scott movie.
0: Right. So ch- ch- with that, the there they go again. Award. Somebody who you see and you recognize as hey that that's that one person from this thing, but you can't put a name on it. Who'd you go with?
1: Um This one I also kind of like try to do in retrospect, and it was Christopher Walken.
0: Wow, Christopher Walken, man, he was in so much before then though.
1: I mean I'm not again, I, I don't think he would I don't think he would I don't think he would really register to me aside from being Yeah.
0: He won the Oscar for Deer Hunter.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Not to kill your. Choice, yeah, I no. I much. mean, it's
1: it's hard to. He had done King in it, New it's York. It's hard to do stuff in retrospect. I mean, I still haven't seen King in New York, so. <laughs>
0: so fucking good. That's true. I, so I went Paul Ben Victor, and Paul Ben Victor. meant to look him up because again, he's somebody I didn't know his name. If you watch HBO shows, there is a one hundred percent chance you've seen this guy. He was in Entourage. He was in. Uh, I mean, he was just in. The Irishman. But just the HBO shows he's been in, again, Entourage. He was in Vinyl, which I did not watch, but obviously, no, he was in it. He was in True Detective at some point. Somewhere in there. He was in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm at some point. I mean, Paul Ben-Victor, if you look this guy up, there's a 100% chance you'll recognize this guy. He was in The Wire for 17 episodes. It's Just a guy, you see him all the time. Was
1: the, that was a guy in, like, Tombstone? Was he in Tombstone? He was in Tombstone. Yeah. Yep yeah here he is okay. that was it
0: for me uh, probably both then and now and of course there is our uh, our guy who we talked about in unforgiven saw Rubinek.
1: yeah he he was he was almost another one for me he's funny this movie it probably would have made more sense see again and looking back on it I don't know it's crazy it's it's weird to theorize about personal interpretations of movies ten years ago that you saw. Ten weeks ago, (laughs) it's weird. That's the fun of it, though, because yeah, no, it's cool. It's it's a it's a nutty concept.
0: I mean, ten years from now, there will will be the people who are like, you haven't seen true romance. You know what I mean? To the the twenty three year olds, you know, it's who knows? Yeah,
1: no, you're absolutely right.
0: It's like how movies live on, right? I mean, everything's
1: got a legacy for better or worse. How many
0: people are we going to talk to that were around when Citizen Kane came out? However, there's millions of people who have all these opinions on Citizen Kane. Very true. Uh, Very fucking true. So that's it for our acting. The next uh, – so, again, we gave uh, – we'll average it out. It was a 9.5 out of 10 for us for this film. We went through our categories. We're talking about directing next. What did you give the directing on this movie, and then let's talk about why.
1: Um, I gave it – on a scale of 1 to 10, I gave it a – I put down a 7.5. I could lean towards an 8.
0: I, I gave it an 8. So yeah. we're definitely – Definitely in you know, uh, in Unison on this movie, I
1: which was kind of tough because I mean it was directed well. It, I mean I, I feel like it was I feel like it was solid. I have very few complaints. I have no actual points I could point out to specifically, but I think the acting and the writing supported the directing more than how I usually feel like it's vice versa.
0: Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of my things was, again, his choice to make it linear. Mm-hmm. I think it, it works better. So what I wrote down for this specific way, Yeah, I don't know
1: how I'd feel about it if it was...
0: It'd be a whole different movie. Out of now. sequence. So the movie feels weird. And I say this because it, it is a colorful movie. It is a happy-sounding movie. Hans Zimmer's score is very happy. Uh, the tone and the, the tenderness that Tony Scott treats these characters with is very... Very unlike a Tarantino movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and that, that's his choice, right? I mean, there's a script that you don't have to treat these characters with so much love and tenderness, and you don't have to approach their love story so so sweetly, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but like I guess the, then the contrast of the colors, the tone with what's actually going on on the screen, again, I mean, the movie opens up, you have this guy goes to a pimp's house, strong arms him, kills him and like three other people, steals a thing of cocaine, Goes across the... By accident. Right, right, right. And then goes cross-country and tries to deal this cocaine while being chased by the mob, who is literally murdering people and beating up women. that's what we'll get to later, to get to him. Like, all this stuff that's actually happening. And there's this huge shootout between the cops and the mob. It's like, there's all these things going on that are definitely not fun or good things. And I think, like, under Tarantino's hands, they're probably a little more dark.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be a much darker...
0: And... I just I like this. Okay, I can't I can't, film. I can't I can't compare this to something that doesn't exist. But I just I like this version. I wouldn't change a lot about this movie. No, I would neither. It's good, it's got like
1: choices. that kind of fairy tale aspect to it, which is neat to such a crude story,
0: right? Yeah, and it's, I actually wrote that in here. I said this movie is a fairy tale. Yeah, I, I said it a few times. It's it's absolutely a fairy tale of a young man's mind. You know, a young loner, young little nerd. This is like this is every. I mean, when I was 20 years old and living by myself and watching a bunch of movies, like, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking fun fairy tale. You're like, oh, you're the hero of your own story. It's great. Yeah. So, yeah, 8 out of ten, seven point five 7.5 for you. Cinematography. I gave it an 8.
1: I gave it a 7. Again, because there's no, like, really. I've rewatched a bunch of scenes recently, but there's not. I haven't watched the movie in full in a little while, but. There's nothing specifically that, like, screams to me, like, oh, shit, that was cool. That was – not saying there's not in there, but nothing comes to, like, memory. Yeah, it's and that's how that, I judge a lot of things, if it resonates with me.
0: It's not a movie that has a lot of, like, interesting, super interesting camera movement or, like, no, interesting I mean, shots. But I – put this, this is probably a tad bit more set design, and the lighting is, is insane, but the way each individual – area every different location feels different the the house the the drug dealer's house Drexel's house is very red and it's like you every single place like his lair you talk about yeah Yeah. every scene I think of in this movie I can picture in my head what the place looks like and each place has a very specific feeling from there to the the trailer that Dennis Hopper's living in, that scene is, is yeah. shot in incredibly well. Like, yeah, two it, of them sitting across from each other. Dennis Hopper's sitting there, and he's in the light, but everybody else is in the shadows. Um, then you get oh, to, wait,
1: are you talk about the Christian Slater scene or the, the Sicilian uh, scene? The Sicilian scene, okay. Yeah,
0: so he, he's he's in the light; everybody else is in the shadow because yep. like he's he's on on trial, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's in, like, he's in like, the spotlight. It's like nothing. Like, you can't get away from this. He's in the hot seat, is yeah. Like you, you literally can't He's get away from this. literally
1: in the hot seat.
0: Uh, and then you think about the hotel where Alabama gets beat up, and, like, that has, like, I can picture the colors in my head right yeah. now. And then the hotel, like, every... Camera work
1: is, like, I mean, it's sporadic enough that it... Re- that it is very, uh, it's very reflective of the scene itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I can't... Again, the shots themselves, and I... And I and it's probably something I would, I'd love to look more into. I, I can't say if, if that's all in the cinematographer, all these things, the way they're being set up and lit and how much they resonate. But I think that's powerful because I think of other movies and I can't, when I think of a scene, I, I don't know if the sense of place is as dominant as it is in this movie. You know what I mean? Like I think of Pulp Fiction, the only place that I can think of that's like super vivid to me is the diner where they go dancing. Yeah, Jack Rabbit Slim's. Like everywhere else I'm kind of like, I can kind of remember th- what they look like, but not as vividly, not as effectively as I can here. Just something to throw out there.
1: I remember the Honey Bunny diner scene. I, I'm pretty – Pulp Fiction specifically, I can, I think I can I can picture pretty much everything. Um, I'm not watching this movie or recommending this movie for, like, the direction or anything like that for sure. Um, not that it's bad because I don't think you can make a. I, I you, you can't have a movie with shitty directing that's, like, this good. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely not a movie I would be like the the, the direction in that the.
0: But does that come from a place of like we feel like we have to like it has to be prestige for us to like shout out directing because like again that's that's where I feel like we, we start comparing movies to like our expectations and to other movies except for within themselves like I think this is perfectly directed it's it, and I'm with you it's it's not a prestige movie where you're like you must see yeah. this but I I can't say that the directing in this is worse than I can't say it's like significantly worse than Goodfellas right. Uh, I can't say he's he's doing the most with his he's doing the most in making a lot no, of bold I mean, choices
1: that's, like like the whole ends the cocaine scene and the, like rapidness that's that's pretty that's that's cool I don't know no I think that I think Goodfellas in this movie are
0: no, it's, mean, not, it's uh, but the point is I'm actually not trying to compare them that's what I'm saying like, oh I see what you're saying okay I'm, I'm okay. saying like I don't want to compa- like when because I think we can do that sometimes where we're like yeah it's you know it's it's not The Godfather but I think I actually said that in a recently about something like you could say that but it's like yeah it's it's not the godfather it's not goodfellas not this but it is the best version of what it can be yeah and that's like i don't know i think that's i mean it's a good
1: movie the the direction didn't it definitely didn't hinder the experience for me but it was to me it was just nothing the i don't know like, like i said it's not though it's not the 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 hill i'm gonna die on when i'm like you should watch this movie
0: yeah i might die on that hill <laughs> I, I, I love the direction of this movie. Yeah, this everything's just firing on all cylinders. I just keep going back to the Sicilian scene the Sicilian scene and that was like screenplay, boom. No yeah. acting, boom. But if the if it's not lit the way it is, then it, the whole tone changes and you might start well, interpreting yeah. everything. It's good. What we'll a dive deep on that? Yeah. Uh screenplay, what'd you give it?
1: Uh screenplay I gave a I gave it an eight and a half. I gave it an eight eight and a half. I, I, I was kind of kind of in that middle ground. I don't think it's the best writing we've seen from Quentin Tarantino. Um, it's hard to say what his worst writing is, but... Defi- defi- I don't think it's the apex of Quentin Tarantino script writing. But, again, super solid, the story. Because the plot itself is... It's been done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. It's nothing unique. Right. Um, but, like, the story and the characters... He builds and the dialogue he puts into it is fantastic.
0: I, I give us a ten out of ten. Really? And it's not it. it I, I do think this is Tarantino's screenplays are. It's hard to say what's the best, right? Yeah, exactly. This has some of the most memorable. I mean, let me just read some of the lines that that Christopher Walken gets in this fucking movie. I'm the Antichrist. You've got me in a vendetta kind of mood you tell the angels in heaven you've never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who kills you whoa then he's uh what's gonna say the my favorite line though christopher walken says something about what clarence is doing he's like you know he's doing this and this dennis hopper says i don't believe you christopher walken says very plain matter of factly that's a minor importance what is a major fucking importance is that i believe i you. believe you yeah. and that that to me like i'm like oh shit uh it just those lines again the the back and forth between Drexel and Christian Slater I'm probably giving judging the entire movie a little too too much on these two scenes because I think I think to be honest with you I think those are I take think out the, these uh, two
1: scenes and how how do you feel about the movie
0: still I mean because they're they are small parts I mean they're what sticks out to me
1: yeah no I mean same here
0: dialogue I mean that's that's the, that is the Tarantino dialogue both of those scenes. You don't get as much of that throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah,
1: I uh, mean the Christopher Walken's uh, dialogue is very, very, very Tarantino. Uh, I think that's.
0: I, let, let me take. You know, let me let me counteract. Let me ca- contradict myself a little bit. Because I don't think the story is as good as other Tarantino's. I think it's hard for me to give it a ten. I think that's the best scene he's ever written. I think that is the best Tarantino. It's scene. it's definitely his favorite because scene. Everything about it, like when you have. Just the power dynamic, how it's consistently shifting between those two, and it's the one that's that's directed well. But
1: and I I, I didn't see, um, I, I had, oh I'm going off the rails over here on my computer. Um, I definitely didn't see Dennis Hopper, essentially just being like, um, okay, well we're at the point in this conversation where you can go fuck yourself, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you all about it.
0: Right, and it's it's the power dynamic shifts. It's like once he realizes that he can't, he's gonna die, like. It, and that's such a weird thing that the knowledge that you're going to die gives you more power, right? Because you, you have
1: nothing—you literally have nothing to lose. But
0: just that dynamic, he's like, "Fuck!" He leans back. The music kicks in. He lights a cigarette. Yeah. He goes off on his racist tangent, and then like Christopher Walken is is laughing at it. But you know that laugh is like, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah. You're, you're pissing yeah. me off. And this
1: then, guy, this guy over here.
0: It is. Gosh, man! Everything about that dialogue—you know everything you need to know about these two people from how they're speaking less than what they're saying he's not saying yeah. I, I'm this he tells you yes I there's no bullshit here I'm gonna tell you who I am now that that's out of the way now let's find out what we need to know yeah. it's not he's not screaming at him we're here to get to
1: the point and nowhere else
0: just a perfect scene I mean just yeah, it's solid most of those movies somebody's gonna be screaming at him or being very menacing as opposed to I'm the antichrist yeah it's important that I it's, what's the most important is I fucking believe you yeah and like That's all you need. It's, man.
1: Which calls back to, like, the uh, Drexel um, clearance scene. And he's like, oh, if you were comfortable, you would have just came in here and sat down. And, like, we would have had a conversation. But you've just been eyeing me.
0: Right. The uh, the other thing about the the Sicilian scene is Dennis Hopper's not in this movie a lot. He's in, like, three scenes. Yeah. But he feels like we, we know everything about him. Like, we totally buy that... He's ready to die. Like, he, we buy that he was – you know everything about him in his past from this scene. You're like, okay, this guy was definitely a badass cop. Like,
1: Yeah, he's ready to – he even plays into what I think the whole, like, narrative of the story is, is he's willing to make sacrifices for s- the love other people have.
0: Right. Exactly. And it, uh, that's set up when he's like, you know that this guy had the alcoholic past – not a great relationship with Clarence's mother. Probably feels like he should have been in Clarence's life a little bit more. So it, that's like, for him, it's almost like it's an honor. It's worth giving up his life for Clarence and his love. Because he's not going to have it again. It's just great. I'll, I'll, I'll stick it at nine. Just because even if I can't tell you a lot of the other dialogue that this movie that I remember, even if I can't tell you a lot of the greatness, that scene in itself is just fantastic solid
1: i mean the i mean yeah most of the most of the dialogue most of the banter most of the character interaction it's i mean it's it's very well done but i feel like that's how it is in most tarantino films is the the dialogue he writes really helps you not only like understand or relate to the character but you're you but you you get this Famili- familiar- familiarity. Wow. Uh, one day I'll speak real words again. Um, but, yeah, you almost get this, like, kind of... You understand these characters. You get that common ground that, like, oh, I know this guy.
0: Right. Or it's, at least
1: know where he's coming from.
0: Yeah. And uh, just last thing about that. Okay, this is the last, last thing. Because I wrote this for you. <laughs> just the, the, the subtlety of when when Dennis Hopper's character realizes that he has power over Christopher Walken is when Christopher Walken's speaking so proudly of being Sicilian and how good of liar Sicilians are just that his character is like, can identify that real quickly and say, Oh, you know what's going to fuck with this guy is if I go on this race, tangent yeah, about his race, fuck like your pride. Yeah. And it's like, he's Christopher Walken not giving any, it's, and it's, it's also part of that show and tell, right? It's what he says to him. Where he says, you don't want to tell me anything, but you're showing me everything. Yeah, but then the the nuance there is that when he starts talking about lying, he is also not really telling him anything, but he's showing him how proud he is. It's like these guys are equal. Like one has the gun, but like intellectually they're the same. That's I would like to watch a whole movie about those two. I would. Li- I wish that was a bigger part of the movie.
1: I yeah. I mean, I do too for sure. I'd, I would have loved to seen Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, the, the king a, of have a project. Together. Only
0: one scene and. Both Tarantino flicks, yeah. Pulp Fiction, one scene. This yeah, movie, one yeah. Scene. It's crazy. Uh, it's, that's enough about screenplay. I would have <laughs> to say. Uh, buh, buh, buh. Casting. Nine out of ten.
1: Yeah, I mean it's damn near spot on.
0: Probably ten out of ten if I if I like Christian Slater a little bit more. I would still like to see. Um, I, mean, I can't say he did a bad job, but I just that's my personal. I probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more if there was a different lead.
1: Uh. I think Chris. Um, I think Christian. Christian. Um, Christian Slater. Clarence. I, I think he does a, a pretty solid job with this movie. Um, I would have liked to see Matt Dillon in it instead. Good choice. Um, I think it would have been the same character done, maybe a level or two above what we see here from uh, Christian Slater, but. Yeah, I, I have no complaints about anybody's performance. Honestly, um, I think it's some of my favorite performances from a lot of these people. Definitely, definitely top five with most of them.
0: Right, I'm right, I'm right there with you. So that's it for our, our ratings. Our next category: pretentious questions. What is this movie about? What did you, What did you think at the end of the day? What was this movie about?
1: It's I mean it's a it's a fairy tale love story set in like modern times and and. Uh, in a derelict kind of environment.
0: Yeah. I also wrote first and It's a fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, I wrote this movie. Just, it, it's about what happens when two lonely people show each other attention. It's about that ever fleeting dynamic. People who are
1: always searching. Two people who are constantly searching for what I can assume. Two people constantly searching for that. And they finally find it in each other. They they both find somebody to put that effort into and also receive it back from. So I think on a base level, it doesn't matter who these two people are. Right. I think these two personalities cling to it's, each other, and then we talked. I talked about perseverance a little bit, and
0: it's like what happens they make
1: it happen, which is yeah, which is a, which says a lot. A lot so of people when you don't find make somebody
0: who has the same level of crazy as you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More or less. That's that's why I got it. I think it's also just about the dynamic of power shifting because th- this whole movie is like power is it's being fleeting. Tra- it from everybody. Yeah. Like from Clyde, you know, Drexel. I it's not, say
1: a, it's not a constant.
0: Drexel has in the power to, in, in the conversation. And then real quickly, Clarence takes the power from Drexel in there. Then we just talked about the Sicilian scene. Then you have Saul Rubinek versus Clarence and the cops. Yeah. And it's just, no, I mean, even the elevator scene. Yeah. Everybody is always like in power for a little bit, and it's just like the chasing that. Yeah, um, I, I
1: mean, it all comes to a head with a Mexican esque standoff at the end.
0: Yeah, very,
1: uh, uh, very Sergio Leone.
0: And also, just the craving that we have for adventure. You know what I mean? Just that certain, the fact that we need adventure in our lives, and the the, the links that people are willing to go to get it.
1: Absolutely, uh, it, it puts yeah the value we put into our trajectory.
0: So next thing, did this movie, did it succeed in making you open your mind and think deeply about something? Or did it tell a story that really sticks with you?
1: Uh, I definitely didn't really, I didn't really get introspective or like overly relatable to any character, any specific plot line in this movie. Um, but it was very, it was a, it was a very generic, cliche story. Told very well, and made into a very entertaining experience. With, I mean, fucking powerhouse performances from almost all angles.
0: I'm glad after waves and old boy were on the same page because what what I wrote down was this movie told a story extremely well without having something super deep to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've this is probably the third or fourth time I've said it on this podcast, but yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a cliche ass story. Some, kids find, some kid finds some drugs that aren't his, and he's trying to profit from it and also escape the bad guys.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been uh, done
1: countless times. But this in this case, it's it's fun, and it's fun, and it's engaging because of the script.
0: And I'm, I'm going to throw my guy Tony Scott in there because, again, how f- pretty the movie is, how colorful it is, how it sounds stylistically, just it is a good time that, yeah that's the best way to put it it is a wild ride you're right
1: I mean it's a great yin and yang from the dark reality of what's these happening these characters
0: great. reality just fun just a good time
1: yeah you're, you're right you're right I, I concede to that I, I definitely agree
0: next topic does this movie matter
1: I think it matters very much um, again the story I don't think is anything we're not reinventing the wheel here um the directing I it it was fine to me, it was good, it was solid. Um but it's in the same kind of vein as something like Doubt or Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Um extremely, extremely well done examples of what actors what we should expect from actors.
0: Agreed. I would say it, it's important in a sense if, of really... This is one of the few instances where there's a director we have so much con- baggage and connection to and relationship with their work as an auteur, as a writer-director. Mm-hmm. And again, to see somebody's words interpreted by another director, somebody's script interpreted by another director. I think it's this is the best example of that because I can't think of a lot of other... I mean, just think when you watch a movie that is... Directed by person A, but written by person B. Mm-hmm. You don't really make that distinction as much. This movie you have to because it's fucking Tarantino and it's Tony Scott, and I think it, it's just yeah. such a good. It just it really shows you how people can interpret things differently. It shows you how people's style can can completely redirect I agree. a movie. Like I mean, yeah. this is it's this a great exact example same of script is a film interpretation. Yeah, it's yeah, ex- like
1: even from a viewer standpoint.
0: It's a completely different experience if Tarantino directs it, and I think that's just like there's. If you it, it, this makes it very easy to wrap your head around that concept because I even before this movie, there's not a crazy amount of movies that are written by somebody directed by somebody else where that writer also directs a shitload of their own stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, and then you wonder yeah, how. I how mean, many,
1: Tarantino did the same thing with Natural Born Killers too, yeah. and that one not that nearly, Hoverstone.
0: yeah, not nearly well as, as, as well received makes you think about how many movies are directed by one person written by another that are completely different than the original vision and like what, you know what I mean?
1: That's I was listening. I was having this discussion and by having this discussion, I mean, I was talking to myself in my head when I was real stoned listening to this, uh, podcast, um, called quick question with Soren and Daniel, great podcast. And by that it's, um, it's literally just two guys talking back and forth with each other. um, There's, like, no plot. There's no, like, structure. They're literally just conversating. But they were talking about the uh, ending of Game of Thrones. Okay. And how... Why the fuck does it matter what the viewers think or want? It's not their vision.
0: I... Without watching Game of Thrones... No, I've seen...
1: I saw the last season and I saw the first season. (laughs) <laughs> oh, speak, for, so
0: for my, my I had, well, I've never watched Game of Thrones. I watched the first two episodes, but my wife and I talked about this because her father's watching Game of Thrones, and I told her you know, he. Then a friend said how bad the ending was, and I was telling her I was like, you know, people are actually mad about the ending because they're projecting what they want out of it. I was like, nobody's actually analyzing yeah. the analyzing this for what it is. They're analyzing it compared to their expectations and wants, which is a. It, if you do that when you watch movies and television. Then just don't. Then your opinions don't matter. Where does your
1: where does your artistic expression end when you put the power in somebody else's hands? It's kind of like I think they brought it up in the podcast too. Um, The Martian, when the guy released the novel, he did it. He like part by part. Yeah. And he was like, if I, if I fuck up or if I do something that I shouldn't have, or it should have been done differently, like, let me know. And he like wrote this book as people told them what he wanted out of this book. Um, and I bring that up because watching somebody else's vision of somebody else's script. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's very interesting to me. That was my long way of saying that is, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. And that's, and I, I said, I don't want to gloss over like, at the end of the day, do any of our opinions matter? No. Fuck no. no. But if uh, – again, but if you are – As far as hit, the
1: box office goes, I guess so, technically, but
0: – I do say less than that because most box office successes aren't critical hits. Yeah, it's true. It's not that you and I, our opinion is, is better than somebody listening, but again, if no. you, I, I just I – don't, I don't have any interest in, in carrying on a conversation with somebody who is judging a movie based on their expectations and not the film itself. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. That's why I'm like – There's just no point in having a conversation. If you were, if only way you're going to interpret film and TV is based again, is, is again, compared to your expectations, then you don't have a lot to bring to the table as far as like talking. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no,
1: there's no discussion. Like, I don't give a fuck what somebody's opinions are as long as I can validate why they have those opinions.
0: Right. And saying it's not what I wanted is not, it's not correct. I mean, we talked about this with the assistant. Would I watch the assistant? There's so many things I would have wanted it to be differently to be a more entertaining film. Yeah. But because that wasn't her vision, I could I could only accurately judge it and, and analyze it and talk about it in that lens. And like, here's what you gave me and let me talk about what you gave me, not what I wanted you to give me. That's that's it. Yeah, and I just I encourage our listeners to, to try to approach things the same
1: way. Yeah, I agree. You know. I mean I had different opinions on the assistant because I thought it was very I thought it was very much a Hollywood appropriate movie of a critique of Hollywood. And I based that on evidence that she had to go through so many production companies in order to get anyway, it's like it's <laughs>
0: besides the point. But there's a whole podcast about it if you have Yeah, heard it. there is.
1: I think we did an episode on it. You can <laughs> check that out. That's fun.
0: So last couple of categories here. We said does this movie matter? Let's just reflect on how this movie is received and understood by the public. Yeah. Is it do you think that people talk about and treat this movie the way that it deserves to be treated?
1: Um I do. Um, I don't think a lot of people talk about this movie. Being said, I've never had, I've never mentioned this movie or had anybody mention this movie with a negative response to it. I've heard nothing but, like, I like the most negative responses I got were like, "Why the fuck did it take you so long to watch this movie?" Yeah, <laughs> right. And I mean, this is from people like Greg Thornton that loves movies, or I haven't talked to Jason Ombi about it. Shout out Jason Ombi. There it is. almost one another way. <laughs> I haven't talked to Jason about it yet um
0: is he still alive by the way because I
1: yeah I talked to him the other day I
0: talked to him w- we talk probably at least twice a month about some movie or thing but like last time I heard from him he was like I'm going to watch Transit tonight and I haven't heard from Jason Obi since
1: I talked. I reach out every now and then I need to do that he's not, mean, he's, he's not like, a reacher he, out he's, he's mad got, he's, got he's mad busy cuz he, yeah he's he's a stay at home dad right now while the shout out to Jason Obey. while Wayward's closed and does he listen to the podcast alley I don't have no idea
0: it's just, it's going to be a travesty if he's not aware that he is, he's brought up in <laughs> he's every mentioned episode. in everyone. Now we just put his whole life on, on blast. Yeah, that's true.
1: Uh, anyway, yeah. Jason Nolanby, if you want to reach out and follow up with him, 912 656 4742. I'm, not, yeah, I'm sh- not putting Jason Olenby on blast. Shoot like him that. a text. <laughs> I,
0: I just made that number up. Oh, yeah, call it then. So but, call uh, that number. Yeah, <laughs> that could be. Uh, I was in the same boat I said as far as how is this movie is it received is it treated the way it should be I put yes and no while it has built a cult following I do think it's a borderline masterpiece because of those two main scenes I I think they're some of the greatest written acted and directed scenes I've witnessed Um, again just the contradiction between the actions of the characters and the tone that Ridley treats them with is, is a bold move that I haven't really seen in other movies I haven't seen a lot of directors approach this very serious subject matter so delicately um, even like a movie, like I said, inspired by by Baby Driver. Even like the stakes don't feel super real in Baby Driver. You know, like nothing yeah. I- the the script definitely matches the tone. Where this this doesn't, which is yeah,
1: because uh, we've referred to this movie as a fairy tale multiple times. Both of us have, um, but it's not very fan fantastical. Is that the word? Is that a word? Fantastical? It is
0: now. Yeah, just for sure for this podcast. Yeah,
1: it's not very. It's not like as fantastical, fantasy. I feel like that's not a word. And I feel like, I, I, that's feel like okay. I feel like there's a real word I should be using because I'm a grown ass fucking man. Um, but like when you when you compare it to Baby Driver, how like you said like unrealistic it kind of feels yeah. like the fantasy aspect of it. Like this seems very like I could see this happening to people.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Assuming the movies fall in three <laughs> categories: either movies that everybody knows about, maybe, movies that you have to be told about, or somewhere in the middle. Where does this movie lie?
1: Like personally, it's very much a movie I had to be told about. Um, I mean, being like a movie nerd that I like to think of myself as, it's already it's always been on the radar because I'm a Tarantino fan. I've seen most of his work. Um, I didn't see it until people were like, "You have to see this movie," kind of kind of kind of thing. And then I bumped it to the top of my list, and yeah, very very glad I watched this movie.
0: I put it somewhere in the middle. I think it's like it's not like a Pulp Fiction or a Goodfellas. where just if you're a human in America, you know that these movies exist and are well renowned. But it's also not waves. You know, it's not something that you that somebody has to tell you. You know, you probably know a little bit about it. I think it should be. I see what up you're there. saying.
1: Yeah, I took it more. I took it more as a personal thing.
0: I, I think this is the kind of movie that should be one that just everybody just knows about. It, sh- it should be one that if you are.
1: Like I'm surprised it didn't get more acclaim when I was like reading about its accolades and numbers and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's like completely cr- overlooked, and, and that's another thing to kind of look back on it, like how a movie does in a box office and its Oscar run means little to nothing in how the movie will be rec- like its legacy. You know, that's. That's just the truth. It's like, yeah, amen. It stuff has to age, you know. It's like, uh, like some good VEP chartreuse, yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> man. It's like some fine Carthusian liqueur. Uh, chartreuse day Ooh. is coming up very soon. Saturday, it is coming up Saturday.
0: Oh my god, I might have to come to May cat
1: for 16th. That. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, Tim and everybody, Felipe, they're not, they were they were going to come to town and do a big thing at Alley Cat. Unfortunately, they are not because of this whole pandemic.
0: There's a pandemic.
1: Yeah. What the hell? I, I mean, I haven't been going outside for months before this, but, yeah, apparently going on outside, you're not supposed to be out there.
0: That's, like, all I've, I've done. Since, I haven't been inside, really, since the pandemic. I just walk around a lot and, like, spend a lot of time on my porch. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've been waiting
1: for the mall to open for four <laughs> days.
0: <laughs> uh, last. I need some new Gap jeans. Pretty much two and a half questions left. Would you rewatch this movie? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's
1: my answer. Uh did, movie, did
0: you do a movie God's Hand?
1: Um, I did.
0: Oh, you mentioned it. Tell me who you had again. I did. Because um, I only did, I had changed the director, Clarence in Alabama. I didn't go deep in that.
1: I went, I went, I went kind of in there. Um, Clarence, like I said, um, Matt Dillon, I think would have been great. Yep. Um, uh, um I just blanked. Uh, Robert De Niro uh, as Dennis Hopper's character as Clifford. Um, I think kind of would have been kind of would have been fun um Michael Rappaport I wanted to switch out modern day Elijah Wood
0: <laughs> that's good I, I like that's that that's very good yeah, yeah I
1: like I like the timid like yeah I, I'm, a, I'm an Elijah Wood fan man I'm not I'm not gonna lie I like Elijah Wood but I, th- I think that would have been a cool a, a cool feel
0: there would you keep Brad Pitt? I'd keep Brad Pitt you know, it's a, it's a funny thing about every, almost every bad thing that happens once they get to California is Brad Pitt's fault. Oh, 100% of this. It's like, hey, yeah. uh, like Alabama getting, which we didn't talk about real quick, Alabama getting beat up by James Gandolfini and looking like Rocky at the end of Rocky two. Not a great look, like kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, also, I think famously, uh, Tony Scott like slapped Patricia Arquette on the set to like get her like in the zone. Also not a good look for Tony Scott. If you want to hear about shitty, shitty, shitty
1: directors,
0: I know who you're gonna say Stanley Kubrick. No, no you're not Alfred going Hitchcock.
1: Kubrick. That scene at birds uh, in Birds, um, where all the birds are attacking—I uh, forgot that actress's name. Well, they're all like swarming her. Mm-hmm. They sat there for like eight hours and just threw birds at her.
0: <laughs> That's fucked. Yeah, I haven't seen the birds yet. Huh?
1: He uh, fuck. There, I, I forget. What, I forget how the story is, but uh. He, he essentially, like, ties up one of his crew members in the studio and leaves him there, like, as a practical joke. Wow. And everybody shows <laughs> back up the set, like, a day or two later. Wow. And he's, like, tied up covered in his own piss and shit because he was tied to a goddamn pole. That's crazy. Yeah, dude, Alfred Hitchcock was notoriously a piece of shit. That's insane. Notoriously a piece of shit.
0: So now how we got an Alfred Hitchcock? Uh, I did a movie God's Hand, and my director replacement was not Alfred Hitchcock. I have. <laughs> I gave us. I give Scorsese. Okay. Scorsese, I think he he definitely has that that fun in him that mm-hmm. we don't see all the time. Uh, Clarence, Tom Cruise. I picture Tom y- Cruise. Young cruising. Tom
1: Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Nice
0: ninety-three. That Tom Cruise. era, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, I try to keep it because I was actually going to go scorsese and leota but leota is 14 years older than clarence so i was like yeah so right. i went scorsese tom cruise because i just think tom cruise screaming in the elevator is even funnier
1: yeah that would have been good and for
0: alabama i went sandra bullock
1: ah that's a good pick
0: i was also actually going to do what you did i almost did the exact same thing replacing uh dennis hopper with de niro yeah <laughs> i just that's funny dennis hopper right th- I don't. I don't think anybody could be better. Even De Niro at his best, I don't think is better than Hopper in that scene. But if I was going to replace him, that is actually who I had. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. Uh, last thing here, final argument. Give your little soliloquy. and Give your your courtroom-like argument of why people should or should not watch this movie.
1: Uh, it's 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 a masterclass in young, hungry actors. Uh, first and foremost, um, I've said it once. I'll say it every time I talk about this movie. We look back at it now as this incredible ensemble cast, but in the early nineties a lot of these people were goddamn nobodies. And you can see like almost everybody pivotable pivot pivotable wow. <laughs> almost everyone pivotable in the sto- in the story. Um, I mean including Christian Slater. Um, which I think, I mean, we both agree he's not our favorite. Um, I, I think, I think it laid the groundwork for all of these people to have the career that they both deserved and eventually achieved. It's a masterclass in fucking acting.
0: It is. It is masterclass in acting. So, so masterclass in young, hungry actors. Agreed.
1: Like uh, acting, watch and, and that's watch where I started mine.
0: I, my uh, my coffee's kids. for closers. <laughs> Sorry, I still have not seen that. We got to wait for Greg. Thornton. It's so goddamn good. So True Romance features one of the most talented cast you'll ever see put together, performances that can never be replicated or done better, and a style that juxtaposes the content and tone in a way that makes you really throw away all of your usual movie watching expectations. That being said, it's like even ex- however many movies you've seen there's really not a lot like seeing this movie for the first time. Not in a way that you you say old boy is or other movies. It's like, there's just, I've said this over and over and over again. This is what sticks out to me. There's just really no other movie that I can think of. And not a lot of movies that just have such that, that just treat their, treat the script, treat what's going on in the movie so differently than what's going on. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think I know what you're
0: saying. Again, just like, what killing drug dealers and, and going across so cocaine done and that isn't written cornerly. It's not written. Like it's, it's written very matter of factly as, as I like think we said, baby driver where it's written kind of, it's kind of written fantastically Yeah, and directed that way where this movie is only directed. Is, there's not a lot like it. Um, and outside of the very, very, very nineties action set piece at the end, which I wouldn't change a frame of because nineties action set pieces, the lead up to nineties action shootouts are always fucking great. <laughs> uh it, it's a movie that doesn't age. It, it really doesn't. I think in 20 years this movie will still hit the same way. Um, what you get when you put all these together is the film that allows you to turn your brain off and feel the visceral effects of the movie and still have plenty to analyze and lean back on when you turn your
1: brain yeah. back on. Because it's, it's not a movie that you have to it's not a movie you have to sit there and like immerse yourself in for the entire experience. You can like this is a movie you can enjoy and like put on and go through emails or something. Um, but then when I, it's
0: over, you're like, oh, let me fucking revisit the Sicilian scene and think about – Yeah, I,
1: I was about to say, like, some of the, I mean, some of the scenes, you got to stop what you're doing and just fucking but that's, like, that's what I'm saying. That's enjoy yeah. and appreciate them.
0: That's what I wrote there. I said, this is a movie yeah. where you can literally turn your brain off f- throughout watching it, but when you turn your brain back on, there's there's stuff to, to, to work on. Yeah, there's, stuff there, to there's, there. There.
1: there's pieces of it to grab hold to that, that makes it – Worth viewing multiple times,
0: as opposed to, and I, I keep saying "baby Javics." I think that's the most modern equivalent of this movie, where you turn your brain off, you watch it, you turn your brain back on, you're not thinking about it again. Like once your brain's back on, it's not a movie you're going to be dealing with.
1: Yeah, I see, I see. I see what you mean by that. Yeah,
0: that's it for true romance. I think we are in almost 100 percent agreement here. We've, uh, we're we're right there. I think so. But yeah, it's, it's a good return to form because these last two,
1: it's solid. It's fun. It's yeah. The acting is is acting is top notch. Everything think top fucking notch. If
0: you love this movie, hopefully we've given some insight. Maybe you haven't given yourself. Maybe we've hopen, hopefully we've provided something of use for you. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it. Um, hopefully we didn't hype it up too much for it to let you down. But I can't see this movie letting you down at all. This is a borderline perfect movie.
1: You know they uh, they tattooed real people, like what? the Clarence and the Alabama tattoos. Yeah, they put an ad out and tattooed real people uh, in order. It was supposed to be the the movie poster.
0: Ah, uh, okay, 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 because they get each other just what names, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah, it was like like somebody was like a banker in Minnesota or Arkansas, something like fucking random. Yeah, and the other one was some lady who ended up getting it removed like ten years later because her boyfriend didn't like it.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, that's a fun fact.
1: Yeah, I read I read that today.
0: So yeah, do don't, uh, don't get your Snip Nother's tattoo name tattooed on you
1: unless it's a fictional character. Then it's then it's fine.
0: Apparently, still not for that lady. Yeah. On that <laughs> note. On that note, we're going to do what you're going to be able to do for the first time in a couple months on Friday night. We're going to clock out. Goodbye.